Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's silver and black today to the ground game touchdown las vegas we're breaking down the latest raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers so hold on raider nation it's time to get, get it, it on here's your host scott goldbranson and mo Moulton. welcome back raider nation it is time for silver and black today the live post game edition the Raiders, of course, uh, not a great one to watch. 31-13, to the Kansas City Chiefs. This game really over by halftime, so we'll get into a little bit of the game. But the season is over. The Raiders now uh, finish at 6-11. and It's now a big season of off-season cha- of, off, uh, off of change, I should say. And joining me, as always, here on the postgame show uh, is my good friend who, who as he logged in, to take part in the show, I noticed changed his name to Sad Sack Murph. Uh, Murph, I have to say, you told told me before we went on the air that you had a a, a, a watch party at your place for a bunch of Raider fans, and uh, always good time. And you never have a bad time when you're around Raider fans. But then the game started, my friend. What happened? Oh man, yeah, that's when it all went downhill. As soon as we kicked off, and yeah, we had Music City Raider Nation out. 
uh, for a watch party and uh, appreciate president of that booster club, Bam Raider and, and, uh, and all those folks of, of music city Raider nation. We had an absolute blast and we still got a few folks uh, hanging around in the fan cave as we're going live here on silver and black today. And, but you know, yeah. So, you know, Raider nation's undefeated when it comes to a party, right? Like when it comes to a tailgate or anything, <laughs> thank the goodness. Always great. The company's always great. And thank goodness because the football was awful. And uh, yeah, the vibes were uh, pretty low, pretty low. We're all kind of in our feelings right now. I understand that some liquid therapy, I'm sure, was had by all. Uh, but this game, Murph, I want to get your reaction to it because obviously last week, the way the Raiders played against the 49ers, taking them to overtime, was a good game. We talked about it on the post game last week. Jared Stidham in his first game did re- real well, so we were looking forward to seeing what he could do against the Chiefs, which. The Chiefs defense, a good defense, but more middle-of-the-road defense, not as touted, highly touted as the 49ers defense. But, boy, from the get-go, it just looked like, boy, the tape on Jared Stidham got out after that first game, and the Chiefs really played to that. They also were able to shut down uh, Josh Jacobs pretty well in the pursuit of his title for rushing the rushing title in the NFL this year. Hopefully he keeps on, holds on to it. But um, you look at this game from the get-go, it, di- it didn't seem like everybody was in sync. Uh, I saw a lot of coaching issues I think we'll get into in just a few minutes. But overall, and I, I don't think it was purposeful, but it just seemed as though that some of the players, uh, offensive line, um, like they were already on vacation. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned that our vibes were low. Well, it seemed like the Raiders' vibes were low, too. You know, one of the often things that we've talked about this season in terms of criticism has been body language and, you know, and, and, and whatnot. And it seemed to be like those things started to correct themselves, but certainly not. They showed back up again in, in this game. And, you know, one of the things I think we talked about it going into the Niner game, that it was going to be curious to see, like, considering the decision that was made around, uh, you know, our our former quarterback, like Mm -hmm. what was going to be the energy level, what was going to be the response from the team. And we came out of the gate and had a phenomenal game. I know we didn't win the game Raider nation. I get it. And that's the only thing that counts, but in terms of the optics of the game and the body language and whatnot, it was pretty positive. And so to not see that carry over then uh, into this week was surprising. And then I I don't know. I I wonder if, you know, and and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I wonder Mm -hmm. if the, the atmosphere had anything to do with it because mm. that atmosphere was certainly felt across the TV, let alone being there in the stadium and let alone being a player on the team. Uh, and it looks like you're in an away game. So I, I don't know. I just, I think there's a, it's very interesting the way that this team has gone up and down, but you know what? And this is something else we were kind of talking about is that like, this is what Raiders football has been for the majority of the last 20 years. And none of us can figure out why we can change literally owners. We can change quarterbacks. We can change coaching staffs we can change cities we play in we can change anything but the results are the same it seems like once we start to get to some momentum that things revert it's not even one step forward and two steps back it's like three or four steps back and i just don't understand it and none of us do scott and i mean we're not we're not pros we're not film buffs we're not journalists we're not you know former players i, I just mm-hmm. fan but someone and I don't know if there's a science to it or not, but it's it's fascinating to me that this team can't get their crap together for consecutive things in a row. Whatever those maybe consecutive plays or consecutive seasons or consecutive games. We can't do anything in a row. We never do. And it's, it blows our mind. Yeah. And listen, I, I think there's been a lot of because of the success and I say the success off the field, the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. Although we'll talk about the fans and the stands tonight, because that is a big issue um, that has slowly actually in, in some ways grown to be a bigger issue than it was 
even last year, um, is is the fact that you and I always say this, and most Mo and I said on the show this week too, Murph, which was like, <clears throat> you can't overcome bad organizations or bad ownership. So listen, with all due respect to the late great Al Davis, Hall of Fame, we all know what he did, but towards the end, we all know he was struggling with his health. He wasn't exactly himself. Struggled towards the end of his tenure as owner of the Raiders. That's when kind of the decline started. And Mark Davis, for the most part, has not been able to find it either. And so there was all sorts of issues around that. There was all sorts of reasons, one of them being, well, we can't really compete because we can't create revenue. We don't have the stadium. We don't have this, which was the whole reason they were looking to get out of Oakland when Oakland wouldn't build them something. So they get to Vegas, and now they're rolling in the dough. I know some of you still believe that Mark Davis is is poor and can't you know buy anything. It's not true. But anyway— they they have seemingly everything they need to now be successful. And then we go through the Gruden grind of what happened there. And again, to your point, as fans, you you all get excited. Everybody's back. The coach is back. New stadium. This Then you get COVID. Then you get the emails and you get all this stuff and he's fired. So it's it's been one folly after the other. And so I understand the, the, the frustration with Raider Nation because just as it seems as though you're turning the corner – you turn the corner and it's another brick wall, right? I mean, is that how it feels? Oh, absolutely at how it feels. And, and you know, and I don't necessarily agree with the, all the open criticism that a lot of members of Raider Nation have for Mark Davis. I think that Mark Davis is a much different owner than Al. And as, as you just noted about towards the end of Al's tenure when he was, you know, he's the de facto GM of the team and he's signing a lot of bad contracts. He's assigning a lot of dead money to the team. He's hampering their ability to, to really be competitive from a salary cap standpoint. And Reggie McKenzie spends the first two years of his career with the Raiders cleaning up all that stuff. So like Al was different. Mark has assigned football people to do football things. Al was the football guy, and Al made a lot of the decisions directly. Mark Davis has approached, again, I mentioned Reggie McKenzie. Right. He's Dave Ziegler, Mike Mayock, like whatever. Like there's a, been a numerous amount of people that he's brought in to do football things. Now, you can, be, you can certainly question the, the people that he's brought in, but look at who his close advisors are. He's sitting in the booth with Charles Woodson tonight. He's got Marcel Reese there. I mean, like he's got voices mm. from people that are very – knowledgeable and understanding on how championship franchises are are, are are molded, built, and operated. I don't believe this idea that Mark is a folly in this thing. Mm. I just don't understand why, for whatever reason, it just hasn't come together because I think that when you look at the blueprint, he's done the right things. Like he's, you could again, I say it, we saw it tonight. Charles Woodson is a, literally a voice in his ear. Telling it, pointing things out on the on the jumbotron, you you know, and I don't know what those convers. I would love to know what those conversations are. <laughs> love to know what Charles has to say, but like, could you trust anybody's input more than Charles freaking Woodson when it comes to the Raiders? Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. it's not like Mark is like just picking some dopey folks off the street to come in and pull, and run the organization. That's not what the case is. You look at the way when he hired Sandra Douglas Morgan, like perfect person to come in here and run this football team. So I. So to have it, I don't believe necessarily that it's a trickle down from a dysfunctional thing going on at the top. And I think that that Raider Nation, I think that that's a quick thing to point at. And mm-hmm. I get it, common ground. I totally get it. But like, as you said, it's different. Al's tenure was way different than what Mark's tenure has been. But at the end of the day, the results are the same. So no matter what, and this is what we say on our show uh, all the time, that when it comes to critics of the Raiders, 
until they start winning, they're right. Yeah. It doesn't matter what no. wild ass theory you come up with. Doesn't matter who you point your finger at. Doesn't matter right. anything because the results are negative. So it it validates everyone's opinion that's in criticism of the Raiders. And and so you know you can't really argue against it. There's no right until we start winning freaking football games, and then we can freaking no. push. Back. No, it's true until it's not right. I mean, it's pretty yeah, simple. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I think I, I you bring up a good point because a lot of people over the last two weeks, especially since the 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 situation with the quarterback was, oh, this is so dysfunctional. And I understand the dysfunction. The dysfunction has come from hirings and firings, right? Especially on the football side. Um, although if you look at a lot of NFL teams, with the exception of maybe the handful of teams who remain consistent, uh, there that happens in all those franchises too. They just happen to have some more success. So to your point, I mean, I, I talked about it last week where I said, Mark Davis said, he actually said, listen, I've grown. He said this last year. Uh, and when he brought on Ziegler and McDaniels, he said, look, I've grown. I've now learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes, but now I know I need to trust the football people. Now, Raider Nation out there doesn't believe that the football people know what they're doing because this year hasn't been successful. I think they're while they're true for this year, I don't think that you can go off of this one season and say that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are complete busts. Now, Josh McDaniels, he's going to feel some hot seat next year, uh, I think, uh, Murph, when you think about it, because he's going to come out. If he starts 0-5, let me tell you, it, it, it could all be oh, over, yeah. right? No Which more excuses. I, yeah. No more excuses. And tonight was another example, I thought, I thought from a preparation. You saw Andy Reid. I understand how you all out there in Raider Nation feel about the Chiefs. But Andy Reid's a good coach. Andy Reid was basically just dangling him around his finger. You saw his players go out and do ring around the rosy in the huddle which was incredibly disrespectful and, you know, but the Raiders were powerless to do anything about it. Now, if you could punch somebody in the mouth, i.e. had a defense that could play at a high level, then you could have. But the reality was the chiefs knew they just knew that this team wasn't going to be able to do it. And and that's the thing that I, I was arguing with people tonight on Twitter about Derek Carr, because all these people want to see the Raiders fail because they feel Derek Carr was disrespected which is weird to me that you want your team to fail over that. But number two, it misses the bigger point, right? Which is, yes, there's problems all over the place. Okay, so you're missing the problem. It's not one problem. It wasn't one quarterback's fault. It wasn't the defense's only fault, the significant part of it. Uh, the offense failed. The coaching failed. So you look at what happened with Las Vegas this year, and the fact is, Murph, and you and I have talked about it a million times for 18 weeks in a row now, as a matter of fact, that – that this team has had multiple levels of failure. We can identify pretty much what they need to do. And now they just got to go out and do it. And until they show us what they're going to do, you can't say they won't be able to, or they will be able to until they start making these moves. Yeah. And I think that, you know, looks in the, in the first chip to fall was benching our, our last quarterback. And, yeah. you know, like, like you said perfectly there, Scott, it, no, it wasn't the problem. And, and I think that a lot of times we kind of want to get in one lane and we want to point to one thing. There are multiple things that are problems, okay? They're going on with this football team. But like it or not, quarterback is the most important position in the entire, you know, scope of, of team sports. And so when you have a quarterback that has had questionable success, whether you like it or not, whether you're a fan or not, the results are questionable. The numbers are there, sure. But the results are questionable. Well, as long as the results are questionable – then it's time to make a move. 
if anything was a theme coming out of this game that was a common point of discussion for all of us here in the fan cave was and i hate to say this and i hate that i'm gonna say it on this show (laughs) patrick mahomes is on his way to becoming the greatest quarterback in football he's Mm -hmm. probably the greatest passer that's ever existed he's better than dan marino better than daryl monica he's better than freaking aaron Rodgers. like he's Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like because of the way he's okay so knowing that that's the case that we have to play this guy twice in a row who's never lost a division game on the road Never. He is 16 and 0 Raider Nation and <laughs> playing on the road. So if your quarterback has any kind of a question, nope, time to move on. It's time to do something else. So that was the first piece to fall. Are there other areas to address? Yes. Oh, yeah. Is Jared oh, yeah. Stidham the answer? Probably not. Will he be in the mix for next year? Probably so. And mm-hmm. and, and 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 I caught some heat tonight on Twitter to be like uh, people t- run taking runs at us about what we said about Stidham. I don't back up on any of that. Jared no. Stidham is going to be part of the conversation next yes. year. Does yes. it mean he's going to be competing for a starting job? I don't know. Right. Maybe in camp or something. But like nobody's got any delusions that he's going out and you know going to going to set passing records. And when we talk about the legend of City, it's jokes. So lighten it's up, Francis. You know what I mean? Like it's easy with that stuff in Twitter, but um, oh. <laughs> but the stripes! Like, I love the stripes reference. Are you kidding me? That was great. Oh, such a great movie. Um, and you're the big toe around here, Scott. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, Holka. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like, like I think that that's the first of the big moves because look at yeah. what we have to compete with. And yeah, you're right. They punt us. That ring around the rosy crap. Like they called their shot. That was Babe Ruth pointing out into left field and freaking taking it for a ride and walking the base. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew how it was going to work, and they knew that they had the Raiders' number. And, like, there's – I mean, that was embarrassing. I'm, they I mean, did. It's, it was, it's incredible. I mean, it's national news. Uh, people who don't even follow the Raiders, just follow the NFL, are retweeting it and talking about it because it was so ridiculous. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about – the game, some of the stats, some of what happened, what didn't happen. We'll also talk about something I tweeted out earlier, too, about the number of Chiefs fans at Allegiant Stadium, a story that also broke earlier, too, about Mark Davis not being happy with opposing fans taking over Allegiant Stadium. So we'll come back and talk about that. You're with Murph and Scott here on Silver and Black today. This is the postgame edition of the show. If you're watching us on video, we'll be right back in a second. If you're listening to us on audio, we will be back right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, the postgame edition. Raiders 31-13 losers in basically a blowout, of course, uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Really the first blowout the Raiders have had all, well, you count the Saints game, right? That's the only other one. Two games this year. Otherwise, uh, single-digit losses for the Raiders most of the year. So this was uh, one of those games where it was just really hard to watch, and it's unfortunate because you go into the offseason with that taste in your mouth. Uh, Again, do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do so. Wherever you get your audio podcast, you can find Silver and Black today. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the notifications bell. Also, do me a big favor and do yourself the biggest favor, because if you're a Raiders fan, you're a member of Raider Nation, and you want to watch something that's great, insightful, fun, you have to watch Raiders Fan Radio, of course, hey. on on YouTube as well. So make sure you go over to Raiders Fan Radio and Subscribe to that channel and also download their podcast because you can get the audio version of that, too. It's uh, Wednesday night at, I think, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific? Uh, or 6? Yeah, 4, 4, 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. 4 Pacific, Eastern. 7 Eastern. Thank you. Got it. See, we're in different time zones, so it gets, it gets confusing <laughs> at my age, Murph. Um, but uh, make sure you do all that. Also, follow Murph at underscore Murph, M-U-R-F, and I am at LV Gully. All right, Murph, let's jump into this one because I got a call from my son who is in college in Las Vegas and works on the Strip. And he called me this afternoon before the game started, and I said, hey, has it been busy? Because CES is in town, Consumer Electronics Show. It's a big week in Las uh Vegas. And then you had the football game, you had a hockey game, the Golden Knights tonight. And I said, hey, how is it? I know a lot of Raider fans are coming. He's like, oh, Dad, it's all Kansas City fans. Like, all I'm seeing is red shirts, red shirts, red shirts. So I tweet it out, and then I get, of course, a barrage of just hateful tweets about, who cares, dude? Who cares? Jesus, who cares, right? So we get all that. But then we, we cut to the game. It's like, obviously you care because you responded to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we see the game, and then, of course, I'm, I'm talking to friends who have season tickets that are at the game. I'm talking to folks in the media who are at the game. And they're telling me 65, 70% Chiefs fans. And you did. When you saw the camera, I was like, wow. Just like last week, it's a lot of red. Now, I don't mm-hmm. think it was as bad as the 49er game, but it was pretty pretty loud. They even started their their stupid tomahawk thing going in the stadium. Murph, this this listen, when a team loses, yes, you're gonna you might have empty seats and all of that. But we're starting to see this actually accelerate. Last year, I thought people, there were a couple games where you kind of saw it. But overall, it wasn't too bad. This year, though, I think, especially towards the tail end of this year, it's gotten really bad. And I think the Raiders, they don't have that rabid Raider Nation crowd in there to make noise and to sway. You you never know on a play, I'm telling you. Fans do make a difference. And that home field advantage seems to have slipped away as the season went on. Yeah, I think so. You know, we were at the, we had the good fortune of going to the uh, to the Charger game last year, the last game yeah. of the season, and there were very few Charger fans there, at least in proportion. Well, to there the are no Chargers fans. <laughs> Amen. I, well, I grew well, up well, one, but I, that's well, a long time ago. Yeah, well played. Yeah, and since you left, there's only like three guys. <laughs> three guys left. Um, but you know, I think that the novelty is worn off for those people that have bought season tickets. 
Uh, and then you have, you couple that with lack of wins. And then, you know, the, the common narrative, and I think is an accurate one is that, you know, you've got a destination city, you've got mm-hmm. cold weather home, you know, uh, fans coming from, you know, coming from Kansas. They know what he wants to be in Kansas city right now, but people would love to be in Vegas. You know what I mean? Even though it's chilly in Vegas, I get that, but you know what I'm saying? So sure. point being though, sure. is that when you couple all those things together and they had a lot to play for, um, then, you know, the, it's not surprising. Like I get the math, like I get the formula of why this happens now, as Raider fans. Do we love it? No. And when you see some of these people in the stands and ESPN cannot pull their cameras away from a God darn chiefs fan in a 15 Jersey, but like, you know, <laughs> but when you see these people, and like, and I, and, and to some of you, you folks to say like, you know, like, Oh, this would never happen in Oakland. Yeah. But sometimes it kind of did. The difference yeah. was the boisterousness. That's the biggest thing for a guy that went to a lot of home games at the Oakland Coliseum. I literally grew up there. Um, in fact, I was, I went there before I was born. I was in utero for the 72 world series. With my <laughs> so I, mean, I literally grew up in that place. And when, you know, but there was a, when you had opposing fans, there was a boisterousness that now exists in Vegas that didn't exist right then because right. And I'm not an advocate of violence or negative, any kind of behavior, but I would just say that it was the response from Raider fan was different than what it is now in Las Vegas. So there's, it was, there's, it was raucous. I mean, it was like, it was rock and roll. People were excited. There was, there's that. And, Cause we've all been to sports events, whether they Raider games or not other sporting events, where you just, you can feel the energy. You just yes. feel it, right? It's an yes. it and you feel it. Is that what, is that kind of what you mean? That's a hundred percent. Like I'll never forget. I went to the 2016 a game against the Broncos Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack goes nuts. Latavius Murray goes nuts. Like it was an, it was an amazing game and we, and we absolutely trounced the Broncos. And you look over that Oakland Coliseum and it's just a sea of black in the freaking mm-hmm. stands and the, and the beautiful <laughs> Oakland sky and that bright green field. And there was just, yes, there's an energy from the, from the tailgate, but this was okay. I mean, uh, I want to tell a toll story here, but Scott, but like one of the things <laughs> Go ahead. Brilliant about Al Davis is that he crafted all of that. Mm-hmm. He wanted opposing teams, fans to be afraid to come to our games. He wanted the opposing players to be afraid when they were pulling into the Oakland Coliseum. He wanted it to be intimidating. He wanted it to be like you were walking into Mordor. And that's what it was like <laughs> when you went into the Oakland Coliseum. And so that energy was present from the second you hit the parking lot to the kickoff all the way through the game to the time when you're walking across the bridge to go back over to Bart. Like it was an absolute, I mean, just the energy, the vibes, all of that, even in losses was amazing. And it's, and this is not me saying well, Oakland's better and Vegas sucks. I'm no. not saying that at all because they're different experiences. But what you get, though, with that different experience is you get a different energy to opposing teams fans and then and with that and and i gotta tell you man it's it is a little heartbreaking and and i one of the things that we said here um with with the group of us was like mark davis can't be okay with that no i don't know what the fix is i'm not smart enough to be able to just like Mm -hmm. you know spew the silver bullet that's going to fix it but when you look at mark in the in the stands and how about at the national anthem when and when they say instead of the home of the brave you get a bunch of people say the chiefs Look, if yeah. you're the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, that can't sit well with you. So I'm sure <laughs> there's going to be something that's going to happen, some sort of action that's going to be taken next year. And again, I don't know what it is, but that can, well, we can't have it. We can't there, have it. there's a couple things you can do, right? Because again, I know, I know. Listen, I know season ticket holders who have no guilt about selling their tickets to any Tom, Dick, or Harry. 
I don't care if they're a Chiefs fan. Or they don't care. because, And I get it. It's pure capitalism. I got it. It's their choice. But I will say this. You look across the street at the Golden Knights. Now, I know it's NHL. Okay. I know it's a little bit of apples and oranges here, but there is some similarities, and I'll get to this real quickly, which is when the Golden Knights came in the league, the, the ownership of the Golden Knights knew that hockey in the desert, like nobody thought it could work. It's like it didn't, it's not working down in Phoenix. They have problems down there. So, so what are we going to do? They knew, they knew that they had to go into this and invest in it enough that they had a competitive team that was going to win. Now, nobody knew that they would go to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year of existence, but if they could just make the playoffs, you could get people in the community excited and then everybody wants to go to the game, right? Especially with something new. And I think that's what's been missing with the Raiders. And oh, by the way, I think for local fans in Las Vegas, listen, COVID, that first year, nobody could go. So it kind of was a yeah, dud, yeah. right? I mean, that really hurt. Because I remember talking to Mark Bedane when they decided that they weren't going to play in front of fans. And he told me, he said, this is his words, quote, he said, this is a punch in the gut to every single person that worked on this project from the very beginning because we worked all these years to get this done and now people can't come. So you start it that you start it that way, then you have last year and last year with all the turmoil. Now, I do think the thing with Oakland, the thing with Oakland is you had legacy, you had so much history, mm. not just the fans and the longevity, but you had history in that building even though it had been reconstructed three times. But you you had history on that field including championships. So I think that 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 mood, the, what people expected when they walked into the Oakland Coliseum. Now, I went to the Oakland Coliseum a couple times where I walked up and got an $18 ticket uh, like an hour before tick, kickoff, and it was pretty empty, right? So, yeah. so yeah. everybody goes through that. But here's one thing. When I was a kid, and some people still can't accept me because I was a Charger fan growing up. So, But I will tell you, when I was a Charger fan, what would Raiders do when they played in San Diego? They would take oh, over the yeah. effing stadium. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it was all. So the Chargers and, and, and they got smart and Raider fans hated it. But what they did was they said, hey, if you want to buy tickets to a Raider game, guess what? You got to buy three other games. <laughs> if you uh, only want to buy tickets to the Raiders versus Chargers, you got to buy three other games because it was such a highlight game. So what they did, and this is something I think Mark Davis should consider for, for example, AFC West rivals, maybe not the Broncos yet, unless Sean Payton goes there, then things could heat up. But if it's the Chiefs, okay, or it's the Charge, anybody that you know you got to make sure you protect your home field advantage against, you do something like that. You can say, okay, look, you want to, if you're a season ticket holder, you can't sell your tickets to that game unless you sell them this way or something. There, there was a system. I'll have to look back on how they did that piece okay. of it. Because but, I was going to ask with the secondary market, like I can see where you could tie that. Like you see hockey does that all the time yes. where you have three game packages and all that kind of stuff. Right. With, with the NFL, with on a single game ticket purchase, yeah. you can you can regulate that. But on the secondary market, right, that's what's caused all this is StubHub. It's and all secondary. Yeah. And all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. I mean, listen, there's been a couple games that I that I was at when I was in Las Vegas uh, and living there with the Golden Knights where I went. I mean, the St. Louis Blues and I think the Chicago Blackhawks a couple times where it was like 30 percent of the crowd, the 18,500 was the opposing fans. So so it happens from time to time, especially like you said, in a destination city like Las Vegas. But you have to I think the Raiders need to think about that next level. How do they prevent it without without you don't want to hamstring your season ticket holders too much and i know some of you guys are going to disagree out there on what i'm saying here but that's what you do is you just say hey listen 
you can't if you if if it's if it's the chief the, the Chiefs game every year. Yeah, you can't just you can't just sell your Chiefs tickets. Like if you sell your Chiefs tickets, they have to be through the marketplace. It has to be through somebody who lives in Las Vegas, Oakland, or L.A. You, you figure something out. But I, I think you're right. I think they need to figure that out because it, it's gotten out of control. And I know a lot of the people in Oakland are bringing it up and saying it was a bad reason they moved to Las Vegas. But but that's not the case. So, um, but it is an issue. And and I used to poo poo it a little bit, but it's gotten worse. So so I recognize it and understand that it does make an issue here for the Raiders. So we'll see what happens. All right, we're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some of the specifics, what we saw in the game with the players. You're on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also, a hearty hello to our listeners on 98.5, the fan in Las Vegas on the radio. We appreciate you guys being with us. You're with Murph from Raiders Fan Radio and Scott Goldbranson. We'll be back right after this message. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, our post-game edition, also heard on Sunday on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Uh, we are an Odyssey original podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. Put on the auto download so you don't miss a show. This is week 18, our final live post-game show. We'll have some things over. Murph, we got to get you. We're going to do a post-game roundtable at some point. So we we need okay. to do some kind of crossover. We'll get you and Jeff and Michelle on. We'll get everybody talking about everything uh, and, and kind of knock it out with Evan and Mo and everybody else. It'll be a good time. So we'll get Love that it. to you, hopefully. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, but we're back here talking about the Raiders' 31-13 loss. And, okay, let's start with the Stidham thing, right? Because that, of course, um, you know, for the first time in 10 years, the Raiders have a quarterback uh, uh, competition. And the only guy to audition for the job so far is Jared Stidham. Had a great game in his first game. Second game, not so great, although he did show some good things. Mm -hmm. uh, but we still have people wanting to compare two games to nine and a half years. So can't win that argument. If you're in that argument, I was using the the Disney Frozen GIF all night, GIF all night about let it go because I kept getting <laughs> I kept getting I kept getting tweets about well, what about that? Let it go, just let it go. <laughs> but anyway, Jared Stidham uh, Murph was 22 of 36, 219 yards, one touchdown, the one the Hunter ran for towards the end of the game, one interception. And, of course, the fumble he lost, it's a 76 rating there. He also, this was interesting, Jared Stidham was the leading rusher in the game. Yeah. Seven rushes, 50 yards, an average of 7.1. Josh Jacobs, who the Chiefs did a masterful job of game planning towards, uh, carried the ball 17 times, 45 yards for an average of just 2.6 yards. And Zamir White got his usual one carry. 
uh, for four yards. Poor kid doesn't get a chance. Um, but you look at Jared Stidham. Look, Jared Stidham, to me, goes into the offseason as someone, depending what the Raiders do, they go out and get a veteran, whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's, you know, whoever. They'll go out. If they get that, and they then Jared Stidham will compete for the job or will be there as a backup, I think. I think they need to resign him. I think he knows that system. I think he's shown enough in two games that he's capable of being a backup. We don't know if he can be a starter yet. And that's where I think I'm losing people because, yes, people were excited last week. How could you not be excited with his performance? No one was saying that he would be enshrined at Canton after one game. But uh, we saw him come back down to earth a little bit uh, tonight. His offensive line last week was pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. This today, the the offensive line was terrible. Um, He was under pressure constantly, got sacked a couple times. Uh, What did you see different about Jared Stidham? What did you see that you liked still, Murph, that that he built on from last week? And, And what did you see that you didn't like? I love his his willingness to so two things. I love his willingness to take off and run with the football, and I but he doesn't do it too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a run first guy, and I don't think you would call him a running quarterback per se. But when everything like breaks down, breaks down, breaks down all the way, then finally he's willing to just kind of like take off with it. We don't see him, you know, chucking the ball out of bounds. We don't. We see him still making a play. I don't love the idea that he's willing to take so much of a hit. Um, and I, and I think that for longevity purposes for him, I mean, you know, you, you don't want to see him taking those, but I'm, but I love the idea that he's not afraid of that contact. And, yeah. uh, and, and so that's, and that's something different than what we've seen. And so I do appreciate that. And, and I mean, and clearly, I mean, it was evident tonight with that 50 yards that he, that he ran for, and those weren't like designed runs. Like this isn't <laughs> yeah. you know, he's got Jalen hurts out here. You know what I mean? So, um, so that was, that was good to see. Uh, and I appreciate his willingness to trust receivers. And we saw that again tonight, maybe to a fault tonight, yes. uh, where he, you know, some of those 50, 50 balls were maybe 60, 40s or 70, 30s, you know, <laughs> um, but, but still he's putting them up there and he's trusting his receiver to make a play. This is not me taking a run at Devonte Adams in order to build up Jared Stidham. No. But there's a couple of catches in there in the end zone that, you know, if he comes down with yep. those, we've got a different ball game and a different result. So, um, you know, so I would say if anything, I, I, to be critical of him, I think he might have been feeling himself a little bit. He might have been like, you know what I mean? Like might have been pushing it a little bit. He's not mm-hmm. Brett Favre out here, the gunslinger. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think he got caught up in, in, in that a little bit. And, you know, and in terms of the of the of the narrative around it, we, you know, me and Swag, we're talking about this before the before the game started that. It was going to take a 300-yard passing game with three touchdowns, 62% completions. Like, it was going to take that kind of a game for yeah. Jared Stidham to then for Raider Nation, for those that were detractors of his, to, to maybe start to, you know, come away from that argument. But as, as soon as we saw that first fumble and it's and, and any interception, but the fumble, the one, and I believe it recovered the first one, yeah. then whatever it was, we we were all looked at each other and went, here goes the section of Twitter going, see, see, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, you kind of knew that was coming once those, those plays started to break down and he yeah. made some mistakes, you know, but again, I will say this, and this is not me trying to sell one player over another. I got to still, even in this embarrassing of a blowout as this ended up being the optics were still different. The way that those plays were created to create those turnover, our turnovers, they looked different than the mm-hmm. ones that we would see in the past. And so 
you know, is that a, you know, a, a, a point to stand on in terms of being encouraged by going into next year? I don't know, but yeah. I'm just, oh, I'm just, I, I don't know what it means, but I do know that it looked different. And, and I think that there's a part of us as fans that even though the results, unfortunately are the same, <laughs> at least it looked different. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and, 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 and Murph, I, 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 I texted Mo and, and Evan during the game too. I said, you know, it's interesting. Even when this offense is failing, it just seems to be operating differently. Yes. Again, yes. doesn't mean it was succeeding. Okay. So don't take me wrong here, but it, it just, it, the flow of it seemed to go more. You could, you could see it when they made a mistake or they, 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 they were um, sacked. Okay, that's easy. You understand why that happens. But you saw how the offense was progressing, and it just seemed to fit. Again, not a knock on Derek Carr. Derek Carr is not a mobile quarterback. I would call Jared Stidham a more mobile quarterback. Not a running quarterback, just like you said, but a mo- more mobile and agile quarterback. And so in that way, that's not that's not Derek Carr's fault. He's, if, if you don't fit the system, per se, that's not all your fault. Not all of that's on you. So I think that. And so that's what I saw with him, too. You know, Lewis Riddick said it several times. Look, he's making mistakes tonight. But what I like about him is that he is making, when he makes the mistakes, you can see how he's progressing through his reads. And sometimes he's choosing the wrong one, but you are seeing his eyes move and he's assessing the field. Sometimes he's just making the wrong choice. And so I get that. Again, there's no wins in a loss. You you lose. But in a way, in some ways, I was looking at this as almost like a preseason game, right? Because you had a bunch of players out there, including Stidham, who you just want to see. And I said this to Mo on Thursday, Murph. I said, for the Raiders to win the game, and I thought they had a chance to win it. I really did. For the Raiders to win the game, he has to play perfectly, like he did against San Francisco, but a little better. And that's that's a tough ask for, for someone who's not started except for once. And so so I think that's what happened. I mean, listen, they, they, they're, they're a good team. I know you guys all hate the Chiefs, but they're the number one seed for a reason, although Cincinnati got screwed. We'll face that one. Uh, because of the whole situation. But nonetheless, I think this team was going to have to play a perfect offensive game to overcome the deficiencies on defense. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what it was going to take. And, and isn't that a shame? But like yeah. that, that, that's where we're at with this Raider team that like we literally have to have perfect games. And how often do you see an NFL? It's, heck, the Chiefs didn't have a perfect game tonight. You know, but how often do we see NFL teams have a perfect game? And it's very rare. And so if that's what the ask is, if that's what the expectation is, that's an awful tall order um, for a quarterback or a team or anybody else. And, you know, and we can, you know, for all of you, you know, those of you that, you know, really want to, a lot of times the feedback we hear is, all you guys ever talk about is the quarterback. All you guys ever talk about that. Well, yeah, because it's the most important position all of team sports. So we do talk about it. And they're like, well, what about the defense? Yeah, the defense too. Like being, being, you know, um, talking about one thing does not absolve another thing. And, and, and so I really want to lean Correct. into that too, that like it doesn't absolve Patrick Graham. It doesn't absolve the, the performance that we have. Poor freaking, um, what's our guy, Sidney Jones, where the Jones, the fourth, where our guy struggled tonight. I yeah. mean, struggled. the guy was, he's been on the Raiders since November 7th. Like, yeah. dude, barely been around, and now he's thrust into a starting role against, oh, my gosh, the greatest freaking offense of, you know, maybe history. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it, that would have required that young man to play a perfect game. It would have required, you know, Deron Harmon and, and Trayvon Merrick and all these guys to play a perfect game against freaking literally all-world talent. Like, 
if that's the ask, guess what? We're going to come up on the short end of that a lot. And again, so then I go back and, you know, go full circle. That's what my whole point was about that, whether it's the quarterback change or anything else that's going on with, with this team. That's the bar. What we played tonight is the bar. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to attain that. And staying where we were wasn't going to get us to that bar. So we yeah. have to try different things. You may not agree with the plan. You may not like the course of action. But I applaud the idea that we're trying to do something different to grow because the bar is so freaking high in yeah. our division. And oh, yeah. Herbert and Captain freaking, you know, let's ride or whatever is in our division too. <laughs> we yeah, got a and long I, way to go, man. We got yeah. a long way to go. Well, yeah. and, and I know a lot of people think Russell Wilson's washed. I don't. I think he's going to have a comeback year. I'm not saying he's going to be the same guy he was in Seattle, but I think he'll be much better. But you look at the division. You go back two off-seasons ago, Murph, and you remember this. When Mike Mayock said at, I think it was at the Combine, he said, listen, make no mistakes. We have to build a team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the top team in the division. Now, what, nine years in a row they've won the division title, eight years in a row? Um, Andy Reid's been there 10. So, so that is the bar. You're absolutely right. So when you look at the Chiefs, yes, their defense is good. So, yes, the Raiders need a better defense. They need a lot better defense, and they need defensive players. But they also, the Raiders, need a better offense. Okay? Now, Patrick Mahomes, 200 yards tonight. People don't think that much about it, but it was the way he runs the offense. He's now at a point in his career where he commands leadership in the huddle. It's a different type of thing. And so do you have the personnel to beat the Chiefs at every position? Every. Not just quarterback, but like you said, quarterback is the most position on the, important position on the field. So for this team to win in future years, that is the model. If you can't beat the Chiefs, you're not going to go very far. Okay, yeah, you get a wild card here and there, but you want to win a Super Bowl, which is what Raider Nation wants and deserves, then you got to beat them. And so to your point, I, I like your thinking on this, and, and I, I listened to your show on Wednesday, uh, and, and we'll have to get into the dead cap thing another time, But um, which was great, by the way. <laughs> People don't understand it. Uh, but But that's where it's at, and I don't understand Raider Nation – when they think, listen, I'm not saying Derek Carr or, or or any quarterback couldn't be better on the Raiders if they had a better defense and a better offensive line, because they could be, no matter who it is. But is it you just want to be better and you want to be good enough, or is it that you want to win a championship? I want to see the Raiders win a championship for all of you. And if that's the case, you got to go bold, man. Fortune favors the bold. Yes. Amen. No risk it, no biscuit, man. Scared money, don't make money. Like, let's go, you know? When I'll never forget when Max Crosby got the call from freaking John Gruden. The first thing out of Gruden's mouth was, we need someone to go get after Mahomes. Can you do that? He did. He did. You're right. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what we have to do. And, and until we get to that point where we have the, you know, the luxury of talent and the luxury of decision-making and the luxury of a track record and wins and all that, then we can get nitpicky about decisions. But until then, like, um, Scott, you know, Vegas is smart. And I don't, Vegas, and I mean Vegas, the entirety of Vegas is really yeah. smart. They set the win total for the Raiders, the over-under, at six and a half games this year. And we sat here in these chairs and uh, Raiders fan Rio and said, what an insult to the Raiders. We won 10 games. We were a playoff team. How dare you say that the Raiders are only going to win six or maybe seven games next year? 
and look what happened. Like, yeah. so if that's what's going on, then we got to make the boldest of choices to make the biggest and most drastic of changes because look, man, six wins is just as good as one is just as good as eight or what, you know what I mean? Like the <laughs> exactly. is the same, like it yep. doesn't matter until we start stacking up 10, 11, 12, 13 win seasons. Then we can get critical of like player personnel moves, but until yeah. then ain't nobody's safe. Like, except for the guys that are, as you mentioned, the dead cap that the Raiders can't move on from aside right. from that, like everybody else is on the freaking hot seat. Correct. And, and that's where we'll, we'll end the show tonight too, because right. I think, I think that's, that's, that's the biggest point, right? Is this team and listen, for all of you that are upset, you should be okay. Got no problem with that. They did show the sign on TV. It says we deserve better. Remember the, the Raider fan that was holding that sign, yeah. which I thought was great. Cause they don't usually show that stuff on TV because the networks and the NFL are all in bed together and they usually don't want to criticize each other. But uh, I was glad they showed it because that, I think that's a good sentiment. They des- Raider nation deserves better. They want better. Um, and can they get better pretty quickly? I think they can if if Dave Ziegler makes the right moves. They have the money. They've now cleared the roster. Derek Carr will be gone. You're saving the money there. You're saving a lot of contracts. The list of contracts that are expiring is long. Okay? Some of those guys you want back, but a lot of them you don't. So there's going to be a ton of turnover. So this team, Murph, is going to look a lot different next year. And so I know it's hard because now Raider Nation's got to wait eight months to see another game. But you got to see what this front office does. If this front office uh, has a really bad offseason and the draft seems like it's crazy, uh, then okay, then then you should be concerned. But they have a lot of draft capital. They may end up getting more. Uh, and they're going to have an opportunity to improve things. I mean, to go from 6-11 and 11 and to win three more games, maybe even four or five even, doesn't take that much if you do the right things. And so I, I, the, the NFL has such parity that you can turn things around quickly. Yes, you can't you can't build a top 10 defense in one offseason. That is true. But you can make it better to the point where you're competitive. I think that's what you're going to have to do. And it's hard because Raider Nation has been waiting for decades. But Murph, it's going to have to be a game of patience again. Yeah, that's hard, man, you know, because it, it feels is. like we've been patient for so long, you know, but I got to... You know, I got to, I mean, I got to trust what the new regime is going to do. Again, you may not agree with the plan, but I, I, at least I, you know, can appreciate the idea that there is a plan. And I would just say this to you, Raider Nation, like, look, this season didn't go like we wanted it to go. Last season didn't turn out like we wanted it to turn out. There's a lot of things about the Raiders for 20 years that haven't gone the way that we wanted to heck the Super Bowl didn't even I can say 20 years but heck since <laughs> 1984 and January 22nd when we beat yeah. the freaking the you know the Washington team but back that's how long it's been since things have gone the way that we would have wanted it to um so that you just got to trust what it is because what else are you going to do like you can root you can scream at the sky all night long and, and guess what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and Mark Davis aren't going to do anything different so at least try to find something positive in the actions that they're taking and find something to root for. It will make your fan life a lot better yeah. than just sitting around and screaming at the sky all the time, you know? And I mean, again, I don't, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I mean, we got to trust that it might. Well, and what, what other choice do you have? I mean, I, I said yeah, it a couple weeks thing. ago, like, yeah. you, you either, I mean, I know 99.9% of Raider nation is Raider nation for life. So they're not leaving. They're not going anywhere. 
So I get that. Or the other option is you leave, right? Which I know most of you aren't going to do. Um, although there's some people in the chat who say they're done, but I hear, I see that every year, by the way, <laughs> as I'm sure sometimes that crosses everybody's head. Like, what the hell am I doing here? But nonetheless, uh, Not I, lying. Yeah. Uh, hold on. No, I got a little bit of disclaimer on that. Not anybody in this room. And then, good. And, and you know what? Like we, this stuff is tattooed on our bodies. We wear it. On <laughs> I our love bodies. it. We hang it up in our house. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, we ain't going anywhere. And if you are thinking about going somewhere, then you never were here to begin with. Look at that. I love it. There you go. See, Murph captured it again. That's what, about this stuff. I love that though. That's that's why we call it Voice of the Fan. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, Murph, before we go, we always like to tell everybody because now we're going in and Crab Fest is next December. Now we're in the 2023, so we're in the next year. You guys, the One Nation Foundation, with all the revenue you get from Raiders Fan Radio, uh, make sure that there's Swag Jeff. There's Michelle. Hey, guys. Hope you're doing well. I know they can't hear me, but I'm telling you. can tell them I'm hey, saying hey, hello. Hey, here's Lamont. This is Lamont. Michelle. Hey, hey, Lamont. Yep. What's up, man? Okay, good. So the whole crew there, you can see if you're watching us on, on screen, is there. These guys do an amazing show, number one. But tell them about the show, what you do with the money uh, from One Nation Foundation. Appreciate that, Scott. Yeah, so we do Raiders Fan Radio. We go live every Wednesday on the YouTubes at youtube.com slash Raiders Fan Radio. And uh, 100% of the money that we make with our show, whether that be from advertising dollars to merchandise sales, direct donations, we give all that money away. We started a nonprofit uh, a few years ago when we realized we can make money with this dopey little show that we do. <laughs> and uh, and so that, that nonprofit is the One Nation Foundation, and we give strictly to Raiders-related charities. And, and I want to thank you, Scott. And the reason I I wanted to bring everybody in here is that we wanted to thank you because we had an absolute banner year uh, with our fundraising Sweet. this year. And, yes, uh, good and job, so guys. Much of that comes from the platform that you give us here on Silver and Black today. And uh, and we're just so appreciative of you and everybody that's given and everybody that's, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, times can be tough out there for folks. And, yeah. and I know that, you know, but they've the generosity of Raider Nation is amazing. And I will say this, regardless of how you feel about the team, um, the fan base is unmatched. No one else in fandom Absolutely. does it like Raider Nation does and, uh, and and our nonprofit and what we're able to do with it and to help benefit others and to help lift up communities and 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 people that can, like, we can't do it without Raider Nation. And we're so thankful. And so from from us, from all, excuse me, I'm knocking over my mic flag. Uh, <laughs> From the from the four of us to everybody out there and to you, Scott. Thank you for this year. Uh, the, being part of this show this past past year has been absolutely phenomenal. And, and and our foundation doesn't grow the way it does without this platform. So thank you very very much. Well, thank you guys. I mean, listen, it, it's been great. You've been you've been such a great part of this post game show. Uh, we've we've absolutely loved it. And any support that we can give. Uh, what you guys there do, especially for these Raiders-related uh, charities, is 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 our pleasure. I mean, listen, we we want to make sure that uh, that and I and that's the thing I've learned since being and covering the Raiders and Raider Nation is just amazing how the fans. Because I, I've been around other fan bases, other sports, and and there's great ones. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and we saw it uh, obviously with the the Demar Hamlin situation uh, here in Cincinnati with the Bengals and what they did here in the city, and of course Buffalo and everybody. But at the same time, Raider Nation, I've never never seen the depth of support. I mean, people will will post something's going on in their life, they need some help, and they find the help. Raider Nation helps one another. It really is a family. And so just kudos to you guys and all of you for what you do. And thank you again, Murph, for being on the show here. And make sure you go follow Raiders Fan Radio and then check out the show. Anytime you give money there, uh, it's going right to those charities. So thanks to all you guys. 
And uh, and I can't wait to come down there and hang out. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we're gonna hang. We're gonna go to a Predators game, man. Yeah, baby. That's right. We're gonna have fun. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll we'll get it. All right, guys. Well, thank you, Murph. Take care of yourself. And uh, bye, guys. Continue the great work. And I'll be watching Wednesday. See you, Scott. All right. There you go. That is Murph and the crew from Raiders Fan Radio. We certainly appreciate everything they do. Again, make sure you follow them. And and Murph was such a great addition to this show on the post-game show. We really enjoyed it and uh, his contribution uh, just second to none. And we appreciate it as always. All right, listen, do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We will be back on Tuesday. Mo and I will put a bow on this game. I know it's a tough one. It's kind of like Murph says, somebody pooped on your Pop-Tarts. I'm sure he's still listening, so he gets to hear that. But uh, it was not very good. uh, And we're going to make sure that we... uh, tie a bow on it and get rid of it and then start to think about the future but make sure you check out the show on tuesday and make sure you subscribe for everybody here including our producer david stepanian mo moton murph from raiders fan radio and the whole crew over there i am scott cobranson this has been silver and black today and odyssey original podcast take care everybody